hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a special edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I, of course, am Mr. Warren Hayes, and yes, it is a special day because we're popping out here on a Friday, which we usually don't necessarily do, but uh, extraordinary times call for extraordinary measures, and I have an extraordinary topic regarding pro wrestling to go over with you today on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes or on your favorite podcast feed. Thank you very much for listening wherever you are right now. But uh, I have decided today that we are going to talk about a topic that, that's been going around some uh, wrestling criticism circles up and down and all around. And that's the one regarding the Jericho Vortex as it's, as it's been dubbed. Uh, this idea that uh, Chris Jericho, whenever someone gets involved in a feud with Chris Jericho in AEW, he gets sucked in, ergo a vortex, where uh, uh, the person doesn't really quite get out of it unscathed. That's the, the, you know, that's pretty much it. I'm sure if, you know, if you if you uh, consume other wrestling media out there, I don't know why you went outside of me, but uh, but if you do, you've probably heard the, the, the term or at least the, the idea being thrown around. And uh, I decided to break that down, have a bit of an exercise and see how real this is. And for the occasion... I invited Joe Lanza of the flagship podcast to join me in this exercise and give his own view. So we're, we have a bit of a back and forth here. We chatted about this for, uh, for uh, over an hour and it's a very, very interesting exercise that, uh, that we did here. So I hope you all enjoy it. Thank you very much for being here. Like, subscribe, reviews, ratings, all that stuff helps out. But uh, let's get right to it. The Jericho Vortex... Featuring myself and Joe Lanza of the Flagship Podcast. Enjoy. So everyone, as mentioned, I am joined right now by the co-host of the Flagship Podcast. Joe Lanza is with me today on the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. How are you doing, Joe? Oh, I'm just fantastic. I'm just going to pretend that we didn't talk for 10 minutes and that we're... We're being acquainted right at this moment. So how are you, sir? I'm, I'm very well. Thank you very much. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not as if, uh, you know, I, I, you know I, I like the idea of just, you know, outright breaking kayfabe. You know, it's like, you know, there's, you know, our, our relationship is not, you know, in, entirely based on the moment that we hit record, right? So we, we've established this straight off the bat. That's good. It immediately makes things comfortable. And all I'll say is we were talking about clubbing seals before we went on the air. And I'm just going to let that hang so that you get canceled. How about there that? Go. There you go. My brand is completely demolished. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> of course, Joe, as I mentioned, uh, uh, is uh, the co-host of the flagship podcast, uh, which records live every Thursday. Well, why don't you do the little plug then? Why don't we start off with that? Because you record live for patrons, but then it's available elsewhere. But I'll let you sell your stuff. Oh, we're doing plugs at the top. I like that because sure. you know why? You know, I, I, I think you're a genius. And I'm going to tell you why I think you're a genius. Because everybody puts the plugs at the end of the show, but everybody's exiting out by then. They're like, oh, the content's over. Here the, comes the spiel. Exactly. No one listens to it. The minute, so, the minute you say, plug your stuff, stop. That's it. No know. one cares. No, exactly. No one cares. No. They're out. All right. So you do the plugs at the top. It forces these people to listen to the plugs. There you go. So I have to say, you are a broadcasting genius, which is even <laughs> more, which is even more reason to quit that shoot job we were talking about off the air. Okay, just 
we covered a lot of topics off the air. We really That's did. That's right. So, yeah, no, the flagship podcast is live uh, usually on Thursdays uh, behind our paywall at, at Patreon. That is the unedited, unfiltered version where you hear about, you know, clubbing seals and quitting jobs. And then the edited version comes out uh, generally the next day. If we if we do the live show on a Thursday, it hits all of your podcast feeds wherever you listen to your podcasts, hopefully not Apple, uh, on Fridays. So, um, and that's because we have an ongoing feud with with uh, with, with Apple. I was going to uh, ask, what's the issues. issue? What's the deal with Apple? I'm not aware of this. They're just they're. We don't have time for this. The point is, they have they've been. Uh, they're they're a terrible uh, podcatcher in our view. Let, okay. I'll just leave it at that. It, it has nothing to do with the Apple Corporation or anything like that. But uh, we've had a lot of listeners that have had trouble with Apple. That's okay. all. Uh, but uh, but anyway, if, if you're an Apple podcast user, uh, I don't mean to insult you. But uh, anyway, you can you can catch the flagship on any of your uh, podcast catchers of choice. And uh, generally on Friday mornings, we do a uh, ridiculous uh, three plus hour show that covers the entire gamut, the entire world of wrestling, what's going on that week in wrestling. And, um, you know, it's not just going to be WWE and AEW talk. Uh, we, we attempt to cover uh, the entire world of wrestling. I do believe, as Jim Ross would say, watching a standard tournament, that it is a unique format and that, uh, and that people should give it a try. It, it's it, it's one of the few podcasts that are that's in my personal rotation because I uh, you know look if you like if you if you like listening to a podcast that talks about pro wrestling and the things that that uh, that uh, uh, implicate professional wrestling and that uh, that are important to the pro wrestling as a whole I don't think there's anywhere better really. Uh, to get uh, to get that kind of talk because you know look you know I don't have anything against fan podcasts so on and so forth that's absolutely fine but sometimes you just want to get to some nitty gritty you want to uh, get some 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 analysis you want to hear what's going on elsewhere and you want to talk about the, the, you know the 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 in ring the, the 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 wrestling itself you know uh, you guys cover it all and uh, you you and Rich and I think you guys do a, a fantastic job it's always one that I look forward to. Well, thank you very much. After uh, 11 years, hopefully we're pretty decent at it. And um, I appreciate the uh, the kind words. So um, so today, I, Joe uh, uh, came on uh, it came on the show today because I, I pitched him an idea. I said, look, why, why don't we talk about this? Look, because I, I, it's something that's been out there in the in the wrestling community. This thing that we call the that's been dubbed anyway, the Jericho Vortex. Right. And just for some. Just for some context here, according to to some fans, pundits, analysts, the Jericho Vortex is like this idea that Jericho sucks individuals into feuds with him, right, for extended periods of time, which result in the said wrestlers having their momentum killed, generally for two reasons. These are the two top reasons that 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 Jericho gets criticized for because first of all the feuds are a little too long in the tooth and Jericho always seems to find a way to get the better end of the deal once the feud is over so that's essentially what the would, would you agree with that statement Joe that this is pretty much what the Jericho vortex seems to mean to people I would say that you're giving a pretty accurate description 
of what people are talking about when they talk about what the Jericho Vortex is. Yeah. Okay. So we're on the same wavelength. So what I decided to throw, what, what, what Joe and I are going to be doing today is we're going to look back at some of Chris Jericho's feuds and we are going to, we're going to, we're going to draw a line, a line in the middle, right in the sand. We're going to say if that wrestler who feuded with Chris Jericho is better off now, better off because of feuding or better off now or worse off. Just as simple as that. Now, in the interest of fairness as well, we could also say, Joe, we could also say that it's, it's going to be hard to tell, that it's hard to tell, you know, as a get out of jail free card, you know, if we feel that the waters are a little too muddy to take a strong stance, which, which is acceptable. And uh, for the purposes of this discussion as well, I'm just going to lay out some ground rules here. Here's how I, here's how I determined what a feud is or not. First, first and foremost, length, right? We need weeks or months of angles, stories to get to, the, to, get to a big match. Uh, it, basically, it has to have more than just a couple of weeks of build to the blow-off. So we're leaving behind things or feuds like with Jack Perry, right? Like the 10-minute you know, draw thing. Scorpio Sky, Frankie Kazarian, Pineapple Pete, Shug D, right? That kind of stuff. And... And also, also something that weighs heavily into considering whether it was a feud or not is if there was a pay-per-view match involved. So, you know, I think the list the list is pretty accurate. Might not be perfect. Maybe, you know, someone afterwards will be like, hey, you forgot this glaring omission. But I think we got everyone. Joe, you saw the list. It feels pretty complete, right, I think? Yeah, yeah. I, I think you did a good job drawing a line there. I will say, with some of the shorter-term... Uh, programs he had that you might not be considering a longer term feud. When you look at some of those, you know, you look at Jack Perry, uh, the jungle boy thing where I they, you know, they did the 10 minute challenge on TV or whatever. Mm -hmm. And technically I believe the result of that was a draw. Yep. Um, you know, if we were to include that, I would, I would certainly say that jungle boy came out of that on the better end. I mean, at that stage of his career, um, he had not yet gotten, it was at the beginning stages of the rocket pack push that he was going to get. And he went toe to toe with the biggest star in the company for 10 minutes. And that was certainly a good little gimmick to help get jungle boy over. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And you know, even at the time, his, the whole thing is that he hadn't even won a match in AEW at that point. Right. Yeah. He was on a, he was on a losing streak. So that's, that was the whole thing going in here. Yeah. That's the one where, uh, you know, when I was setting up my criteria where I was like, this is kind of the rougher one to set aside because it was um, uh, a kickoff point for him. I completely agree. Um, so I'm glad you brought it up. I think it does like as an honorable mention, I guess we could we could toss it in there because because absolutely that like you said, it was uh, the start of the rocket pack. He absolutely kicked off from that point And it was uh, yeah, it was it, 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 he's absolutely better off uh, having had that uh, moment to shine because it was a it was a very good match and and in my memory uh, audience was really hot for it too. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, Frankie Kazarian, I'll be completely honest, I don't even remember that. Um, Scorpio Sky. Now, Jericho set that up by marching around backstage, and and Sky just happened to be standing there, and he threw an insult at him. I forget what it was. And that was they, they basically planted a seed 
for a future match with that. Mm -hmm. And that's another one where I agree with you that I wouldn't call it a full-blown long-term feud or anything like that. But I think at the end of the day, Jericho working that little mini program with Scorpio Sky certainly helped Sky from a singles perspective and his career in AEW. Um, and, and, and the Pineapple Pete thing, I mean, that was just a little one week to the next television program with a job guy. That yeah. was just something to entertain people, you know, for a week or whatever. There was no intent to get Pineapple Pete over as anything more than, you know, kind of a one week gimmick to get the fans to rally around the jobber to beat the nefarious heel. So sure. there's really not even much to dig into with that one. So I think you did a good job parsing those out. Okay. Well, thank you. I'll have you more often because, uh, you know, I think no, no other guest has given me so much praise so far uh, on everything on the work I put in. So I appreciate it. Once <laughs> again, quit the job. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and just to set the record straight, the job has nothing to do with clubbing seals. Just in case people are, are starting to try and make maybe put two and two together. Just so you know. Um Let's 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 go right in. Uh, start off with the with the list as I it, we're going to go chronologically here. So um, so from an inaugural point, we should start with Adam Page, right? Was the the inaugural? It was for the inaugural AEW World Championship uh, that uh, was going to be uh, 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 um, put up at All Out 2019. Um, and you know, I, this was one where you know, on one hand, I did consider parsing it out but then I'm like look this is you know this is like the first big AEW feud uh, uh, you, you know too significant in the history of the company and and there was some build to this right they both won contenders matches at double or nothing in May 2019 and let's you know let's not forget that there was no weekly TV at the time Paige won the Casino Battle Royale and uh, Jericho defeated Kenny Omega uh, and then uh, the story had a bump at Fight for the Fallen, or at least an angle, where Jericho attacked Page after a match with K Kip Sabian. You know, he was the, the Dark Order were doing the, the 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 thing with the you know with the goons all dressed alike. He was dressed up as one of them, and uh, you know, so there was build, you know, a, a little bit of it. But you know, it's really AEW's first big feud. So, how do you feel about Adam Page? After his feud with Chris Jericho, is he better off or worse off? Okay, so at the time, at least in some of my circles, the big debate was who should be the first champion of this company? Mm -hmm. Should it be Chris Jericho? And, or, and the, uh, the other choice among fans seemed to be Kenny Omega. You know, who are they, they going to put this title on? And uh, I was firmly in the Chris Jericho camp because he was at that point the biggest star in the company. Uh, I think that would be hard to argue with, especially since Mox hadn't really gotten there yet. Yep. And he would be the perfect person to establish as the champion. And then you could have the baby faces chase him. So what they did here, I thought was a clever piece of booking. Uh, they had him defeat uh, Hangman Page, who obviously the long-term story with Hangman Page is we're going to build this guy to be our future baby face ace. And we're going to establish him right off the bat as someone who can be in that world title mix. So from that standpoint, I think that this program worked in terms of everything the company wanted to accomplish, get their biggest star on top with the title and establish that hangman page at some point is going to be a real player in this mm -hmm. promotion. In fact, he, you know, it, 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 
you know, he nearly won the title here in kayfabe. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I mean, Jericho may have ultimately, you know, won the feud or, and won the match and won the title, but he should have, I mean, that was the right call. So, and I think that it helped establish the path that they put hangman page on moving forward. So I have to chalk this one up as by the parameters of, of, of your rules here as a program that helped hangman page. I agree. And, 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 and I was also, I, I was also very pro Jericho because, you know, if only, if only because, you know, you want to start off your title, give it some prestige, give it some attention. Cause th- there was, th- like you said, there was no one on that roster at that point that had the star power that Jericho had. Uh, uh, so it, it all made, made sense. And, uh, listen, I mean, you, it would be really interesting to really trace back, you know, the, because the entire history of of Hangman Page from that point on in the company, right? Because everyone, you know, always points back to the frictions with the elite and Kenny Omega as this long-term storytelling. But there are a lot of seeds that were set there as well, you know? Uh, this long path to winning the championship, the world, uh, the world title from Kenny Omega, really started with Jericho because Page at that point was he can't win the big one, right? That was his thing. He just can't win the big one. Uh, so, you know, when when you especially take a step back to look at, like you said, the path that was set up for him, uh, it makes complete sense. And he's one of the most overacts in the company. He's one of the top baby faces in the company. And uh, uh, I, w- I personally wouldn't change a thing. I think he, like you, I think he's really, really better off having feuded with Jericho at that point. Yeah. It set the table for everything that was to come and is actually still happening in 2023. All right. Let's move on then. This is going to be a, an interesting one because uh, Jericho's next feud was with Cody Rhodes in, uh, again, in 2019. Uh, Cody became the number one uh, contender for the title and Rhodes earned a shot at the AEW World Title at Full Gear 2019, and this is the this is the feud, right, where Cody said he would never challenge for the AEW World Title ever again. Of course, lost the match. We and we know we we we're all fully aware of uh, of Cody's path since then. It's interesting to think of where he is now in WWE right now. You know, can, is he better off having had this feud with Chris Jericho or not? Well, this is an interesting one because I would say no, and that that was a poor decision to have him not be able to challenge for the title again. But the thing about this one is, I don't know how you can blame Jericho for this. Cody did it to himself. Yeah, exactly. Like this, this is a Cody decision. Like this is not Jericho marching into the to, to Tony Khan's office, uh, you know, demanding that the finish be changed that that and that and that Cody could no longer challenge for the title. This was a Cody idea. So this is kind of a weird one, you know, um, Jericho wins the match and I guess in effect wins the feud, but this was something that Cody booked for himself. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to blame this quote unquote Jericho vortex for taking down Cody. And, um, you know, it, the, the, the stipulation ultimately may have played a part in, uh, sort of if you would want to term it Cody's downfall in the company or Cody ultimately deciding to leave the company. But uh, 
I think it's 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 nearly impossible to pin this one on Jericho. I, 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 and I'm with you, and I, you know, I think, you know, um, I, you know, having listened to the po- to, to 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 the flagship quite a bit, um, you know, you and I are in complete agreement that uh, Cody's um, uh, the distaste that people created regarding Cody and the stuff that they'd say about him was, uh, uh, you know, in a lot in a lot of circumstances, completely unwarranted. You know, this idea that Cody would you know, only, only think about himself and that the feuds were only about himself, about himself when he was a guy that was putting guys over right and left, you know, that it's a whole, you know, so I think he did a lot of good for a lot of people losing this match, moving forward, the TNT title, uh, the TNT title, I think is, uh, you know, that was, uh, it was exciting and good out the gate because he was the champion. He made it feel important. I would even go as far as to say, Joe, that this feud Actually, it's it's paying off for him today in WWE because what is his story right now in WWE, right? It's like, I'm going to be the world champion here. I'm going to get the title that my dad never got. You know, I couldn't be world champion in the other place. Like, he's never said that explicitly, right? He's never said, I could not be world champion in AEW. We all know it's kayfabe, right? That's fine. But, you know, even today, like even in WWE right now, He's still, this is still the story. And I, I think it, it, it takes root in this idea where in AEW, he could not, he couldn't be world champion. And, and now in his new company with his new employers, he's going to be world champion. You know, if you really want to play conspiracy theorist, I've put forth this um, theory on my own show that is it possible that Cody with this stipulation was playing a little long-term 4D chess in that, you know, he can make himself a martyr in this place, knowing that eventually he was going to go back to WWE and set himself up for the storyline that he's doing now. <laughs> wow. And it sounds preposterous on the surface. And yet. <laughs> if you, yeah, but, and yet, look how it's playing out. And if you know how Cody thinks, it, it's not something that would be completely outlandish that he would never, like, if I told you that, John Moxley came up with that sort of scheme. You'd be like, there's not a chance. John mm-hmm. Moxley does not think about wrestling in that way. Um, he just wants to go out there and bleed at the first opportunity he has. And, you know, Cody, you it's totally plausible that he would come up or concoct this kind of long-term uh, <laughs> scheme, you know? So it's just something for people to think about. I'm not saying it's true. I'm not saying I know anything. I'm not. It's just something interesting to think about. I mean, that's I mean, I don't it's plausible because that's kind of how his brain works. Right. Yes. That's that's how he thinks about that's how he thinks about the business and and his career path. So, yeah, that's not implausible. Um, So let's so uh, what do you say? Do you think he's do you think he's better? He's better off after the feud or worse off? No, I think, okay, so again, this is a tricky one. In Mm. AEW, he was clearly not better off for doing this step and losing the match. But again, I have to put a disclaimer on. Like, I I have a hard time blaming Chris Jericho for that, though. Sure. You know, this was was Cody's idea, and if it did, in fact, hurt him in the company, he did it to himself. I will say this. The two guys in AEW history who have sort of had this fan reputation for 
you know, eating people up in feuds or, mm-hmm. or, or not doing right by talent have been Cody and Jericho. And I think that's so preposterous. I mean, obviously we're doing a whole show on whether or not Jericho does this. Um, but, but in Cody's case, I can't think of anybody in the company who put over more, uh, whether you want to call it young talent or talent on the rise or people who needed the rub than Cody did. I, I mean, I mean, this isn't a Cody show, but I can list off off the top of my head, probably close to uh, uh, eight to 12 wrestlers who Cody uh, helped put over or flat out did put over and, and, and lost to him clean in the middle center of the ring. And 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 got signed uh, and got them signed too, and so. got them signed. And, you know, you know, whether, you know, you know, Ricky Starks is a great example of that. And, you know even crossing over to like the women's division where he put over Jade Cargill in her mm-hmm. first match. You know, it's like, it, you know, it's just a laundry list of people. MJF, you know, he came out on the wrong end of that one um, in a very important part of MJF's career and was the catalyst for the big MJF push. And I can go on and on again, this isn't the Cody show, but very selfless. And I think that as we go through this show, um, you know, we will see that Jericho has been very similar in that way. Um, because like you, I am not a proponent of this Jericho Vortex theory. I think it's a load of shit. Mm. Um, and as we move along, I'll explain why. Hey, can I work blue here? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Okay. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I should have asked that before we went on the air. But yeah, we, you were, know, now. we were so busy talking about other stuff. <laughs> we forgot, we forgot yeah. to lay down the basics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but now you've unleashed me because, you know, <laughs> my mouth. But... uh no, I think it's a load of shit. I mean, and I think as we go through this exercise, um, you know, we'll see why I believe that's a load of shit. I mean, I, I've said it many times on my show. If I'm a young wrestler in that company, AEW, I am begging to work with Chris Jericho mm-hmm. because you're going to get so much benefit from this. If he likes you and he wants to put you over and wants to work with you, he's going to put you over in the end. And we'll demonstrate that as we move along. Number two and this is a big thing in AEW because we all know Tony Khan likes to cycle the talent in and out. Guys will disappear for weeks, if not months on end. If you work with Chris Jericho, you're on TV every week mm-hmm. because Chris Jericho is on TV every week. Say what you want about Chris Jericho. Guy's 53 years old or whatever it is. You can never question his work ethic. The guy never takes a break and he's always on the show. And if you're in a program with Chris Jericho, you're going to get more airtime in this company than you've probably ever gotten before. And that's another advantage of working with him. And again, most of the time he puts you over in the end, Mm -hmm. despite this weird reputation that he sucks you into this vortex where it's bad for you. If I'm a young wrestler and I just watched this Ricky Starks feud, or I've been watching Jericho's career here. I, I'm, I'm. They should be lined up around the block to work with Chris Jericho. <laughs> I and agree. you're working with, a, and you're working with a legend, and he's he's probably going to put you over. I mean, what happens after that is up to you, and and you know what you do with that, and whether you can get over with the fans. But you know, so uh, just to be clear, I'm on your side of this as we go into this, and maybe by the end of the exercise. Maybe it'll change one of our minds. Who knows? But the way I see it, Jericho has been incredibly selfless in this company. And I'll even go a step further. I believe in the four-year history of AEW, you could argue he's the MVP of the company. 
I mean, it's either him or Moxley. It's right. one or the other. Yeah, I was going to say, it's and, either him or Mox, yeah. And and personally, I'd go with Jericho because, again, he was there from day one. He was the first champion, which was, was a very important role. And as we will demonstrate as we go through this, and again, as I said, he's on TV every week. He still pops quarter quarter hours four years later, 53 years old. He has good matches for the most part. In that mm-hmm. one year where he got out of shape and he was terrible. But outside of that one year where he got out of shape and he was terrible and he got himself back into shape, he generally has good matches. He's over as fuck. Uh, the whole Judas thing is going to be one of the sort of tentpole things that people associate with AEW, people singing that theme song, mm-hmm. the party atmosphere and all of that. And again, he just puts people over and helps people get over left and right. I, I think he's the MVP of the company to this point. I, I so, think, like, I mean, you brought it up, right? Like that stretch where he was, like you said, he was out of shape. You know, I think this is something that we've forgotten because, you know, you know, sometimes wrestling moves so fast that you just have to make space, you know, for what's happening really quickly. So, you know, you have a tendency maybe to leave some things behind. But, you know, people were outright saying this guy's washed. He's done. He's finished. You know, that that, that one whiffed uh, uh, lion salt. I don't know if you remember that spot. I don't yeah. remember. Yeah. You know, people were just like, no, he's done. Let's let, let get this guy off my TV. What does he go do, Joe? He goes, he hits the gin. He gets back into shape. I don't know who he was training with at that point, but he comes back and he's been, he's been just stellar since like irreproachable really. Yeah. And I mean, he knew it. He knew his body had gotten out of control. He knew his performances were bad. And um, we may even talk about some of those as we move along and uh, he straightened. And I was one of those people saying, ah, this is it. He's done. Let's down cycle this guy and slowly work him out. But uh, he totally made a huge comeback. And and once again, you know, uh, I don't think he should ever be your world champion again. But um, for the four-year history of this company, I personally would argue that he's the MVP of the company, which runs completely counter to this weird narrative mm-hmm. that of, of, of what we're discussing here today, which is this uh, Jericho Vortex. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, and just to be clear, like uh, to close out the Cody thing, uh, I think Cody was, I, I think, he, you know, you say he maybe not, maybe wasn't beneficial maybe he was a little worse off i think he was better off doing exactly what he did i think he established so many great things including the tv title and i think he's still benefiting from that today conspiracy or not i think it's that's a that's a good point with the tnt title because by not being able to challenge for the world title it really felt made that title feel more important when cody had it that was brilliant actually yeah those were great runs with that title It, it you know it it that title has had some good champions since, but I think it really peaked right there with Cody. Um, so yeah, you can make the argument that Cody came out of this for the best. Sure, all right. Well, we'll disagree on that. I'll, I'll you know, we'll fist fight later. That's yeah, all. exactly. John Moxley is the next feud that's up in 2020. This was uh, Jericho's big second big championship feud. Like he's had a few. He had a couple of defenses in there, like we were we mentioned previously, Scorpio Sky. Uh, and uh, Jack Perry. But uh, this is the one that would lead into Revolution 2020, which also included the the weigh-in, right? Uh, where Jericho bled and uh, finished with a big beat-down brawl. Uh, and uh, Moxley would end up winning the title in this one. So, what do we feel about John Moxley? How, how, did, uh, how did he come out of this feud? I think well, this is a pretty easy one, right? Yeah, no sane person can argue this one. He put the guy over in the end and lost his title to him. What more do you want? There you go. And, I mean, 
that was it was the right move. It was the good guy yeah. to put the title on at the same time. And uh, you know, Moxley's one of the top guys in the company still to this day. So I don't know. I don't know what else we could say, really. <laughs> yeah, this one's this one's a slam dunk. There you go. And there's a couple that are in both directions, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I think here, uh, this is the this is another pretty easy one, you know, where the where the uh where I'm sort of lumping in the the Jericho Appreciation Society here and their feud with the elite, which also included Matt Hardy at that point. Um, you know, uh, mainly focusing around the 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 Stadium Stampede era uh, at uh, Double or Nothing 2020, right? So we're in the pandemic, we're in the midst of it. We're trying to do all sorts of creative stuff. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of crossover with a lot of people in here. We've got Hangman Page back in the mix, but you know, it's not necessarily a Jericho feud per se. Omega, the Bucks, um, like I, I don't know exactly how you want to tackle this. We can tackle this as a as an entity, as a group, or if you want to, you know, specifically point out people here. But I, you know, this was a substantial feud nonetheless. Yeah, I think you meant inner circle. You may oh, have did said I say that I, I, yes, I did mean inner circle. Apologies. Yes, uh, they're basically derivatives of the same, yeah. uh, you know, unit anyway. Yes, yes. Uh, but uh, so I could see where that'd be a little. Apologies. Uh, but um, we'll fix it in post. I mean, you look at it and the, what was the end result? Like the stadium stampede match was the blow off, right? Right. Yeah. And who won? Well, the elite one. So um, then at the end of the day, uh, Jericho loses another feud. But really with this one, you know, the, the elite were already established as, as huge stars and top guys. And, um, you know, I don't know if they came out of this stronger with a ton of momentum, but they, it, it certainly didn't hurt them. And it, it was just them. a, no, not at all. And it was, it was just a feud among a bunch of top guys, Yeah, you know? Um, so, uh, for the purposes of our exercise, is this any kind of evidence of the vortex of Jericho? I, of course not. Can't be. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. And, you know, and they were, you know, for what it was worth at the time, you know, uh, with the, you know, with no crowds and so on and so forth, they, you know, they were doing everything they could to just like keep things fresh and try out some stuff, you know, yeah, maybe the stadium stampede wasn't for any, if it wasn't for everyone, but at the time it did entertain quite a bit because I mean, you know, we don't need to hash back how difficult it was to watch pro wrestling without any live crowds. So, you know, they really did their best here. And I think it's, I think it's au contraire. It's a testament that, you know, the elite, everyone came out of here undamaged to a degree, right? Because they really, it could have sunk them. It was a situation that could have absolutely gone a different way. If they decide to get too creative, too cute, you know, yeah. It just it just could have sunk them completely. So no, I think everything every everyone came out at the very least undamaged out of this one. Agree. Next few that we have on the docket here is Orange Cassidy. Now, I think this is probably maybe the first vortex feud, you know, because it's it's a very long uh uh Jericho singles feud, and you know, this is one of the you know, one of the precepts of uh, the vortex for those who adhere to the to, to the dogma. Um, we notably here had Jericho beating Orange Cassidy uh, in July at Fighter Fest Night Two. 
we miss we must not forget the debate which was moderated by Eric Bischoff at the time uh, ex- excuse me sir we must forget the debate we, we it's you know I completely disagree with you we must forget the debate. <laughs> Uh, then there was the seven thousand dollar match, you know, for reparations uh, to the the jacket uh, that Orange Cassidy had sprayed in, in in oranges, or the oranges had fallen from the, the rafters. Cassidy won that match, by the way, and it all came to an end with the Mimosa match at All Out 2020 in September, where Cassidy beat Jericho again. Um, look, I'm not gonna hide it. I'm gonna come straight out the gate. I think Orange Cassidy was better off. After this feud, I don't think, like, if anything, this helped raise his profile uh, significantly as opposed to what he, uh, what it was. And I think he still carries that today. I think it's still on the same type of momentum. He's, maybe he's not one of the top three guys in the company, like, as far as, you know, uh, in the lane that he's in right now on the, uh, on the uh, uh, you know, at the top of the card. Like, he's not main eventing, but... Uh, he's one of the most overacts in AEW, period. Right now, he's on a workhorse tear. I don't think this hurt him in any way, shape, or form. What do you think, Joe? Inarguable. This was an incredible boon to Orange Cassidy's career. It was his first major feud with a major star, and he won decisively. Mm-hmm. Jer- Jericho wins the first match. You know, a little bit of heat. Something called heat, right? Mm-hmm. And then... And then Cassidy wins the next two matches, both of them of which were stipulation matches. And he wins the the blow off in the Mimosa match, which I voted my worst match of, of 2020. It wasn't I, good. I hated this feud with a passion. I hated the Mimosa match. I hated everything about this. But that doesn't matter for the purposes of this exercise. Did Orange Cassidy come out better on the other end? Of course he did. Mm-hmm. And this was an example of Chris Jericho picking somebody to put over, yeah. which isn't going to be the only example of that, by the way, as, as we go through this exercise, but one of the more prominent examples of picking someone to put over and then putting them over. Mm-hmm. And for this alleged mastermind, who's always out for himself, he sure seems to do that a lot. And this was a shining example of that. And now with orange Cassidy, we have a guy who, is one of their more reliable television draws and almost always does very well in his quarter hours is over like crazy in every building that they're in. Okay. He's not one of their tippy top, you know, top stars or anything like that, but he is a solid mid card television draw. Who's over like crazy in the buildings. And uh, this feud was certainly, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Chris Jericho made him with this feud. But it certainly was part of what helped make Orange Cassidy into what he is sure. in this company now. I mean, it, this one, I think, again, is another slam dunk. It's inarguable. I guess the only angle you could possibly take would be if you really hated this stuff, the mimosa match, the debate, the silliness of it, the way that I did. You could argue that this was all a massive turnoff. But I still think you'd have trouble uh, constructing a cohesive argument that any of this hurt Orange Cassidy. I don't I don't know how you could possibly um work your way there, even if you didn't like sort of the silliness of the feud. Yeah, the sports entertaining part of it. Uh yeah. Because again, look, we're dead smack in the pandemic, man. You know, they're trying their best. They're, you know, they have yeah. you know, talent. They have the, you know, they have the curtain jerkers 
at ringside, you know, to, to clap yeah. along and make some crowd noise. Like they're doing whatever they can to just like, you know, make the show don't to, to not let the show feel dry. Um, uh, no know, pun intended. No pun intended. Uh, so, so yeah, no, the, 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 the mimosa match was terrible. And, you know, I wasn't a big, big fan of, 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 of the feud itself, but I mean, it's irrefutable at this point. And, and, and to this day, Cassidy is on TV every week. If he's not on dynamite, he's on rampage. He works every week on television. Uh, I got to tell you, he'd be, if they lost him, I think it'd be a major loss. I agree. I think so. I mean, he is perfect for the role that he's in. And, you know, I I don't want to repeat all my same points, but he's over. You know, he's, he's a key part of that roster, particularly for their television. Now they haven't exactly, they haven't relied on him yet to like pop a pay-per-view number, right? Like Mm -hmm. he's not Mm -hmm. that kind of star. No. But he is such an important backbone piece to their television as as such an important television presence look maybe some of your listeners don't pay attention to this kind of stuff but i implore them to check out you know the quarter hour ratings and this guy is money every time and they put him in the key spots he either opens the show works top of the hour or works the main event and those are the three key points in tell in the television mm-hmm. and he's always positioned or is usually positioned in one of them and even when he isn't when he's given a traditionally harder quarter hour to perform in Right. And I don't want to get too in the weeds with television ratings and things like that. Let's let's weed it out. That's fine. He'll generally outperform those quarters when he's in them. You know, when he's stuck in a when he's, you know, put in a quarter, which, you know, it doesn't typically perform as well as Mm -hmm. top of the hour opening the show or closing the show. So, yeah, he's really uh, emerged as a very important part of the company. He's won me over. He was a guy that I did not like on the indies. Mm hmm. Although I understood the appeal, it wasn't for me. And I think he has adjusted his act in such a perfect way where that he still has the essence of what got him over, but he's dropped a lot of the super over-the-top stuff that wouldn't have worked in a major league wrestling promotion. And he has found the balance to perfection. And all the guy does is go out there and have great matches on TV. Right. I agree. And he really has two types of matches, right? Like, he'll have the ha-ha matches, right? You know, you, you see them opening Dynamite sometimes. You know, he'll have the ha-ha match. He'll do the, you know, the shin kicks and whatnot. And it'll be a, it'll be a lot of nonsense. But then he'll flip around and he'll have one like he had with uh, Wheeler Yuta a couple of weeks ago. You're just like, okay, uh, let's go, you know? So, like you said, it's the balance. It's the diversity. You expect to see something out of Orange Cassidy. Then he, he gives you some of that, but he also delivers something else. His act, his act was a real kayfabe breaker on the indies. Yeah, but he does it. He does it in such a way here where it's not, mm-hmm. and and that's a really hard thing for him to have adjusted. And he found a way to do it. You know, it's like when he does sort of those, you know, low kicks to the shin or some of these other things. His opponents look at him like he's nuts. They don't sell. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's the important part of the act that. You know, on the indies, they might sell those spots. And, you know, and everyone's just there to, to get drunk and have a good time. I get it. But he's really done such a fantastic job making subtle changes to this act for a more, uh, you know, mainstream or major league audience. I agree. I agree. Hey, just before we move on, isn't it wild, right? Th- three years ago, 
we had Eric Bischoff on AEW television. And in the year of our Lord, 2023, that is something that is completely unimaginable at this point. Well, Eric Bischoff is a giant piss baby who um, (laughs) Tony Khan made one negative comment, one negative public comment on, you know, somebody compared AEW to WCW in a somewhat, and they framed it in a somewhat negative light. And I, look, I don't remember the exact quote, but the gist of it was Tony Khan said, Hey, look, we're not going to be WCW because I'm not going to make the same mistakes that they made. Mm-hmm. Okay. That I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. And ever since that point, Eric Bischoff, who was once an ally to AEW and Tony Khan, um, and obviously was booked on multiple dynamites, completely turned on him. And the claws came out and now has found a way to um, let's just say it. I know it's an overused term, but if the shoe fits, Mm -hmm. he's found a way to grift Mm -hmm. as being the anti AEW guy. And um, you know, as, has found a second podcast life because listen uh, there, there's only 82 weeks. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And when you're done talking about all of them, where do you go from there? So the guy needed another, uh, you know, and, and now he's the anti-AEW guy. And, you know, Eric's completely full of shit. He's one of the most disingenuous people in all of wrestling. And, um, you know, he got his little feelings hurt when Tony Khan. Look, Tony Khan's job is to learn from the past and not repeat the mistakes that other promotions and other bookers and other promoters have made. Of course. And, um, and, and, he's, look, and he's deep in wrestling history, as, you know, we've mentioned multiple times, you guys on your show my, and me on mine, you know, he's a guy who's deep in wrestling history. So he knows this stuff. He knows what yeah. not to do. So if he's going out there and saying, I'm not going to make the same mistakes WCW is going to make, uh, has made, excuse me. Uh, we know exactly what he's talking about. That's fine. Yeah. And again, it was a more specific point that I can't recall. But the bottom line is, uh, you know, Bischoff. You know, it could have handled that in another in in, in a, a more mature way. Maybe had a personal conversation with Tony Khan and said, "Hey, look, don't work so stiff when you're talking publicly." But whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. and I could see Bischoff maybe being a little miffed or being caught off guard when he thought he, you know, all of those things. But um, you know, again, it, this has been the Bischoff mo. He's a giant piss baby. He's a grifter. I have almost zero respect for the guy. I mean, I, you know, it, it's hard to take him seriously. Um, you know, he changes history. He, 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 he has a, mm-hmm. this great habit of not recalling things when they're, when they cast him in a negative light. And then, uh, you know, he has a terrible memory. He just, I, I, I have no use for Bischoff. So it, it to me, it's better that he no longer shows up on this show. Um, because, uh, the, the less I see or hear of Eric Bischoff uh, in my view is the, the better it's, you know, Again, this you know this isn't the Eric Bischoff show either, but you know it's interesting how this turn of events for him has ended up just exposing him much more for the bad decisions that he's made in pro wrestling over the years. Uh, I, I think a lot of the sheen that accompanied him, you know, being this guy that oh we beat WWE for eighty three weeks or whatever, you know, uh, you know that the the sheen of the guy that turned WCW around has a lot more, well, it's a lot, it doesn't have that same luster, right? There's a lot more holes in it now. Uh, personally, I think he only has himself to blame at this point, um, but. Man, it is 83 weeks, isn't it? I blew my own joke before when I was well, like, there's only 82 weeks to discuss. Well, what do you talk about? You, you don't want to talk about the 83rd. That's, that's true. Because <laughs> that's the one, that's the one where everything went to shit. 
Yeah. Um, let's move on. MJF, by God. Now, this is this uh, long... Ha, I, Joe, have you heard that AEW doesn't do long-term storytelling? Have you heard about this? I've, I've heard this theory, yes. Yes. Well, you know, hard to imagine, you know, to, you know, despite the fact that they don't do it, we could pinpoint Jericho's feud with MJF uh, starting in, in 2020, right into 2021, like mid-year, right? Enemies at first, right? Because their first encounter uh, was in uh, was in a wrestling ring, and if I'm not mistaken, Jericho won the, the the first match. Then there's the whole thing with MJF joining the inner circle, only to stab Jericho in the back, and we got so many things out of this extended feud creation of the pinnacle which i that will always be one of my top five moments in AEW. i loved the creation of the pinnacle that night where they all turned on where they all attacked the inner circle uh we started off mjf's njf's uh, trope of putting of him putting his opponents through a gauntlet to get to fight him the blood and guts match and another stadium stampede match on top of that is this one a slam dunk um well this was another step in the elevation of MJF to top guy, which ironically enough started with the other guy who allegedly doesn't put anybody over Cody where MJF right. had that association with Cody, mm-hmm. which was a weird one because you had Cody, the baby face MJF, the heel, but they were pals in kayfabe, which I thought was smart and good because it was something different than what WWE had ever done. Right. right. And I, yep. I always think it's important for AEW to do things that the established market leader for two decades doesn't do to make yourself feel and look different, right? Mm-hmm. Which is what drives a lot of other people crazy, which could be a topic of a whole nother podcast. <laughs> but I think it's good when they do things not the way that the market leader does them. For and sure. that was one of those things. And that obviously led to the MJF Cody feud that um, we briefly touched on earlier. And, and then MJF moves into this thing with Jericho. And you could clearly see what Tony Khan's ideas were here to get MJF involved in programs with the top stars in the company and have him come out the other end better for it. Um, Now, at the end of this feud, Chris Jericho wins the blow-off match, correct? Because he wins the match at... um, All Out. Yes. But you also have to remember, Chris Jericho was the babyface in this Mm -hmm. feud. And more often than not, baby faces especially top baby faces are going to come out ahead in these feuds and look here's the thing we just talked about a bunch of feuds that jericho very clearly lost the guy has to win them sometimes otherwise there's no more heat there's no more Mm -hmm. value in beating him you know you can't lose every feud and i think sometimes fans get out of control with, with with these things where it's like you know sometimes you know otherwise as I said, there's no more value in feuding or beating the guy if he never wins. Sure. But when you look at the totality of the MJF feud, I mean, he threw Chris Jericho off the top of a cage, mm-hmm. you know, and, and look, the crash pad and everything was super hokey. And I was not a fan of that, but the idea behind it, you know, stands. And um, so, you know, the blood and guts match, he did lose. But th- the thing with MJF is he has this incredible ability and to, when even when he loses a feud or loses a blow off match, it doesn't hurt him. Mm-hmm. We've seen it with Wardlaw, 
And again, if you want to slap a conspiracy hat on that one, was the whole MJF, you know, plane ticket, I'm going to quit the company, I'm not going to show up for the meet and greet. Was that all for D-Chess to kind of take some of the sting off losing in spectacularly squash fashion to Wardlaw later that day to kind of take the attention away from that? That's Listen, it's something to think about. Yeah. Okay. It, I'm just saying it's something to think about because none of the talk coming out of that. Well, and then obviously other shit happened, but it was 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 getting squashed by Wardlaw. Sure. That's right? interesting. So, yeah, no, okay. Don't want to take you off on another diversion here, but but the point here is I would say that um obviously this was an excellent feud for mjf as part of his climb up the card uh even though he lost the blow-off match he was the heel and uh, you know and mjf the essence to him is he has to get his sometimes too well of course once the once the odds are even he needs to lose that's the whole essence of his character so uh in totality i don't know if this was the slam dunk that most of these other ones have been I personally think this okay. this feud was I think personally it was great for MJF's career though. I you know I, if someone wanted to present a counter argument I would listen and probably disagree. I'm probably uh, I, I think he's absolutely better off and I think this was excellent for him and I maybe think it's a little more of a uh, a little more of a no-brainer uh because uh, well, and for exactly the reason you brought up in the sense that he's, uh, he ended up not looking worse for wear. He was not broken by this feud by losing the blow off. And, and again, if I'm not mistaken, hey, you, you know, I hate to cut you off. You know how we know that he's the fucking world champion. There you now. go. There you go. And his trajectory has only been upward since then um and and i remember at the time and i you know i remember at the time uh, me being quite annoyed at this decision at the, at the finish of the match where i was like now what this is weird put the put the new guy over but you know look if there's i'm gonna tell you this was what 2020 2021 I, you gotta give me some leverage here we're coming out of two decades of one company telling you wrestling goes this one way right uh I had to relearn some things in regards to how you book stories and how you book angles and how you build guys, right? You sort of forget at some point that, you know, you can look good in defeat and you can come out looking better after a loss. Uh, and that's exactly what happened with, with, with MJF because his rise has never stopped. It was never stunted. And he's probably had one of the longest extended fuse with Chris Jericho in this entire company, this entire list. And he's, like you said, he's the goddamn world champion right now. One Which again, I this again, why I'd be begging to work with Chris Jericho. Right. For all the reasons I laid out earlier, and it probably means that someone views you as a potential top guy. I, you know, so, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. look, could, could this feud have contributed to the Vortex Theory a little because it, it went so long? The thing about long feuds, though, is who gives a shit how long a feud is if it's working and it's good? Um, I agree. <laughs> the, 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 the Okada Tanahashi story spanned like seven years. Is anyone complaining about it? They, they still use it. Like they, you know, I, they, they're, they're doing the dream match thing. Yeah. Right, just recently. And they're still bringing it up. They're still like, you know, they're still squeezing every dime they can out of it. <laughs> Okay, 
they they basically just do their matches and you know they did it in Dallas and now they did it in San Jose so it, they know it's a big match for the American audience who sort of grew to love New Japan through the through that feud and those two guys but yeah like you're saying they're still making money off of it sure. and that was a, a like a seven year arc I mean you know where, where they go away from it for a little while but it was the overriding theme of the company for many years I, I don't understand why. You know, a few, you know, you look at Kevin Steen and El Generico in ROH, which was, you know, a, a super long feud that mm-hmm. spanned multiple years. And, um, you know, I, you can go on and on. I, I don't know where we decided that if something is long, it's automatically bad. Can it be long and bad? Yes. yes. But, you know, this idea that, you know, you know I, I haven't come across in this exercise yet, and maybe we will. A Jericho feud that both went too long and was also bad. But maybe we're coming up on one. Well, here's it. Look, as I was doing research for this, as I was putting the list together, here's one that I completely forgot, right? The yeah. the inner circle versus America's top team. Completely. Uh-huh. I even forgot that Dan Lambert was a part of this, that was a part of AEW for a while, despite the fact that, you know... Week after week, Twitter would lose its mind when he was out there. I, I completely yeah. forgot about this. This is still, we're still, we're still having, this is still babyface Chris Jericho, right? Feuded with Dan Lambert's crew. Now, there was, there were two guys, right? From AEW, Ethan Page and uh, Scorpio Sky, who were included in, uh, in this feud. But, you know, in the blow off, Jericho ended up, in a multi-man match where there was Andre Orlovsky, Junior Dos Santos who was in there, right? Um, but look, for for the purposes, I think, here of, of our discussion, because, you know, the, obviously the MMA guys were one-shots and uh, Lambert, uh, Lambert is gone. And, and I'm going to tell you, I'm not a fan of the fact that he's not around anymore because I liked him. I thought he you brought know, something. I thought he, be- he brought something that was... Uh, terribly lacking and he was he was the guy that all AEW fans online hate he was that impersonation of everything that 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 they that uh, uh everyone who hates AEW he just leaned into it he he basically would just go on Twitter and that's how he'd workshop his promos he'd just look yeah. at what 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 Cornette and the like were saying and would just put it together and I thought he was great. No one got more heat than that than that guy at the time. So I kind of missed real him. heat. Yeah, he he would often get more heat than anybody else on the show. Yeah, and he's a longtime wrestling fan who knew exactly what he was doing. He um, was perfect. He knew that he looked like a boomer. He knew that people were going to view him as one, and he took all that stuff from the internet, like you said, and crafted it into his character because his goal was to go out there and get heat, and he got it. Um, you know, and people bought it, you know, hook, line and sinker. He Mm -hmm. was a heat magnet. And, you know, from what I understand, he told Tony Khan, Hey, look, take me off TV. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to overstay my welcome. And, you know, we can, I think he'll be back is my point. Okay. I think this was a decision that Lambert made in conjunction with Tony Khan to, you know, I've been on TV a while. My act is going to wear thin. Let people forget about me. is kind of the idea here. And look, he's an independently wealthy man from his other ventures, and he doesn't need to do this. He just loves wrestling, and he likes to rile up crowds. 
But as far as this feud goes, yeah, yes, this isn't one I'm going to defend because, you know, do I think Ethan Page or Scorpio Sky came out the other end better for this or elevated? I don't. I think they both came out at the same level. Mm-hmm. And I'll be completely honest. I forgot. I completely memory wiped Andre Arlovsky and Junior Dos Santos even being in the company at any point <laughs> until I read the notes that you sent me for the show. I completely memory wiped all of this. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that this was some productive uh, feud or a stroke of genius on Jericho's part to help get some guys over because it didn't No. So to me, this one's a mess. Um, so I, I and, where do you, where do you stand on this? No, I I'm, I'm completely with you. And, 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 you know, thinking about it and, and, you know, just rereading like some, some recaps and stuff at the time I was like, yeah, there was a lot, the, the feud was really focused on Jericho and Lambert. Cause let's not forget in the blow off Lambert was wrestling. That he was in the ring, yeah, uh, and so you know, as the you know the the chicken shit manager who's finally gonna you know he's gonna have to throw down right. Uh, so ultimately, so ultimately, when you when, when, you know, the, if the idea here was to maybe try and get some some heat on Scorpio Sky and Adam Pay uh, Ethan Page, excuse me. Uh, if that was the, the the plan, it failed miserably because everyone was focused on Lambert and Jericho, them trading barbs, and then ultimately wanting to see Lambert get his ass kicked in the ring. So, yeah, this was a this was a miss. I don't think either guy is better off after doing this either. I think it, you know they're on the same level. They're you know you could even argue Scorpio. Where's where's well Scorpio Sky's been injured, but uh, you know he had a a middling run in with the TNT title. Like, I don't think he's, I don't think he's even close to being better off from that point on. No. And none of it's memorable. That's the other thing. None of this is memorable. As we demonstrated, you said you forgot about it until you researched. And I forgot any of this existed until I read your research. So (laughs) it obviously wasn't memorable either. So um, just a garbage feud. This one didn't work. Look, they're not all winners. You know, that's why we're doing this to that's really deep dive it and examine it. Exactly. Uh, here's another long one. Uh, and look, we're going to group a bunch of things together because there's so many moving parts, right? But we're going to talk about Jericho feuding with the remnants of the inner circle and Eddie Kingston and the Blackpool combat club. Cause you know, there's, there's, it extends over such a long period of time, which had a lot of crossover between these groups um, and this is where I really feel like the generalized notion of the Jericho Vortex began, right? Um, quick recap, he feuded the, the, the inner circle. He, you know, he breaks it apart to create the Jericho Appreciation Society. So he feuds with, um, with Santana and Ortiz. Kingston gets involved because he's pals with them. Then all of this spills into the Blackpool Combat Club. Now... It's not all bad because we got anarchy in the arena out of this. We got blood and guts, but then we also got the barbed wire death match with Eddie Kingston. Uh Then uh, we get more matches with Mox for the interim title. We get, uh, you know, a match with Wheeler Yuta for the Ring of Honor World title qualifiers, pay-per-view match with Danielson. Then there's the semifinal match at the Grand Slam Tournament of Champions. Then he beats Claudio Castagnoli for the ROH title, only to lose it back to Claudio that same year. So, 
again, like there's there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of people involved. I don't know what you think. I think we can look. We've talked about mocks. I think we don't have to dive into that. I don't think we have to talk about Brian Danielson being better off. You know, regardless, Danielson is 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 Danielson. That's that. Even Wheeler Yuda, you know, was he was he was feuding more with Daniel Garcia than anything else. But maybe you know Santana Ortiz, Kingston Claudio. Maybe these are more relevant to our discussion here. Yeah, I agree. Danielson, obviously, you know, is just two top guys. And, and you know, Danielson went on to uh, a money drawing main event program with MJF. And they had one of the greatest matches that you'll ever see. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. hard to argue he came out of the other end of Jericho worse off. You know, it's Brian Danielson. Um, so no, no, no real reason to waste a lot of time on that. Um, I do agree that this whole era is really where the Jericho Vortex stuff really began, you know, because this did eat up a lot of time. And the big key here was Kingston, who I think very clearly is the best example of someone who came out the other end with Jericho worse, worse for it and worse off because the big blow off match was the barbed wire match. And that match sucked and neither guy was good in the match. They were both bad. The match wasn't good um, and it didn't do anything for Kingston. And at the end of the day, Kingston wasn't elevated by his feud with Chris Jericho and he didn't come out any better for it. And really all he got out of it, all all Kingston got out of any of this was the great visual of coming out with the gas can and uh, threatening to kill everybody like that. That will be embedded in people's minds for the rest of time. Uh, But it is impossible to argue that Eddie Kingston benefited from his feud with Chris Jericho. And therein lies what I think is the crux of all of this, okay? Because Eddie Kingston is very, very popular among a certain sect of online fans, and they are annoyed that he came out of this feud uh, probably worse off than Mm -hmm. he came in with Chris Jericho. But I do think you have to put a lot of that responsibility on Eddie Kingston. I mean, he sure. was he was just as responsible for that shitty barbed wire match as Jericho was, okay? And all the while, he's getting into backstage fights every 10 minutes. Yeah. And hurting his uh, stock in the company through some stuff that he admits he was wrong for and that his temper got the better. You know, the slap fight with Sammy uh, Guevara and, you know, that bled actually into being on screen to some degree. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's on Eddie. That stuff is on Eddie. And I might be more sympathetic to the idea that Chris Jericho derailed Eddie Kingston's career if Chris Jericho had a, a longer history of doing so. But we, we've just gone through it. There's no evidence of it. In fact, you know, he helped just about everybody that he worked with Yeah. to this point. And so I find it hard. But uh, But again, fans are fans. It's short for fanatic. They're passionate and they're mad that Eddie Kingston came out the other end of this worse off and then disappearing from TV. And it looks like they're trying to rehab him to some extent, chasing the ROH title, you know, which is fine. But I think the length of all of this mess with the Blackpool Combat Club and Kingston, Santana Ortiz, the ROH title run, it all feels like one big blob. And it did take up a lot of time and Kingston did come out worse for it. So that... This, I think, is, you're correct. This is truly where the Jericho vortex takes hold in a lot of people's narratives. 
And um, I, I, you know, and Kingston obviously was a big loser uh, with all of this. Now, Castagnoli, I mean, you know, Jericho wins the title, then loses it back to him. And in the process, he taps out to the giant swing and helps Claudio get a new finish over. No one had ever tapped out to that move. That move had never beaten anybody. Chris Jericho tapped out to that move and put the guy over clean in the middle on an ROH pay-per-view. So I'm not giving people that one. No, okay? you can't. Do I, think, do I think Claudio comes out of that better? No, but he's on the same level he always was. Jericho didn't hurt him. This this was a feud between two top guys, and the, the baby face went over in the end. It's just classic pro wrestling. Yeah, and I mean, the, the, the story is just like... Uh it's his oldest time, right? It's like the guy who should not be ROH champion, right? The guy yes. who is the complete antithesis of the work rate, uh, legendary ROH world championship, right? The sports uh, entertainer. Exactly. Yeah. He come, he should not be holding this title. Uh, you know, and he, and he, not only does he hold it for, couple of months but he's beating former champions at the same time he's going through the list of of, of former roh guys uh you know you know the, did the story get over like crazy ah, probably not but it was a very easy story to get into because claudio then had to don the 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 the, the persona of being the hero right of being the uh of being the guy who's going to restore honor right to 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 the title pun intended so um to a i'll 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 even say this i'll say i'll even tell you i think claudio out of this even if his i think his trajectory has been upward maybe not like a huge spike but i think it's been upwards because right now especially what they're doing with him on you know look he's still on AEW tv uh He's still on Dynamite every week. He's uh, in, you know, uh, the most significant faction that they have. Uh, he's in the midst of a heel turn. They're probably, you know, setting up something big uh, with the Elite very, very soon. So that this is all good. Plus, on ROH TV right now, he's clearly the final boss. Like, he's, he's really in a position. He's in a position right now, if you want to go back to his era as Cesaro... That WWE never even dared to put him in. Unless he was with Sheamus in a tag team. Let's put yeah. that as a, as a caveat. So, you know, again, it might not be the, you know, a, 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 a spike upward trajectory. But I would argue that he's, that he's better off. I think he's, um, he's on another, he, maybe not on a completely different lane. But he's higher up there. And I think, you know, uh, I think he's, he still has that, that, you know, that aura, that mystique uh, that still follows him where, you know, fans online were always saying, you know, uh, what, how is WWE not using this guy? How is he not a champion? So on and so forth. You know, TK still leaning into that and Claudio is gobbling all up. And I think, you know, that's still something that's carrying to this day. And the fact that he defeated Chris Jericho, look, you couldn't get more symbolic then Chris Jericho, you know, the sports entertainer, the evil WWE guy to a degree, right? The embodiment of everything that we hate about WWE being beaten by Claudio, who was kept down by that company for years. Like, to me, the symbolism is ridiculous. It's, you know, it's, it's yeah. there. And I think it makes sense. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was Danielson who really was getting beat like a drum by Jericho mm-hmm. during all of this, not Claudio. And Claudio, they 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 told the story the right way in the end. And Jericho was willing to make a fool of himself tapping out to the giant swing. Exactly. Um, in, in the process, which the heel should do at the end, especially that kind of heel. Especially that kind of heel, exactly. Yeah. Um, just to circle back on Kingston, look, I agree with you. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm convinced that there are many booking decisions, Joe, that most of us are, you know, a lot of decisions that are made in regards to booking uh, are for reasons that we are not privy to, and that is okay. Um, you know, I myself am, you know, I love Eddie Kingston. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I think there, you know, there's, um, he's, his persona is refreshing in the sense that he is, um, you know, there, in a business of liars, his level of sincerity that he brings to pro wrestling is unique, right? The way he, um, the way he presents himself and the way he, he, um, he, you know, how he cuts his promos, everything feels real with him, feels sincere. So, you know, I'm the kind of guy I, you know, I will, you know, go up to the barricades and say, what, why doesn't Eddie Kingston get a, does, why doesn't he get a world title program? I'll be one of those guys to be perfectly, perfectly honest. But I, you know, I'm also not, you know, completely blind. Uh, and I understand, you know, I, I, I think it's easy to put one and one together to see what happened with with Kingston here. And the fact that there was no follow-up, because they could have redone this. You know, they could have had another match. They could have had tried to do something to wash away the 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 skeeve of of the barbed wire match, right? But they didn't. And I think that's probably related to decisions backstage that maybe don't make sense from a TV point of view, but maybe backstage there were reasons behind this. We're like, no, we just got to drop this because this isn't working even on a professional level, on a, you know, on a behind the scenes level. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, At the end of the day, still though, you can't say what was presented to fans was of any benefit to Eddie Kingston. No, 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 I agree. No, I agree with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, but because I, 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 I still wonder, and, and maybe we'll, you know, we'll wrap it up on this one and we'll, we'll move on to the next feud. But, you know, I still wonder why. Well, wonder why is not exactly, but you know, I, th- I think it's interesting that they never, that they didn't try to revisit this. You know, that they didn't try yeah, to yeah. give an like, like I said, just shower off. The, the the distaste of the uh, of the uh, of the barbed wire match. Let's try another match in another circumstance and maybe do better so that people will forget like that. So that your final impression of this feud is not the barbed wire match. Yeah, yeah, maybe they will. I, I you I know, know it doesn't seem like they're going to. But um, no, I don't think so either. I, like I said, I think there's I think there's things that we're just not privy to that's that are just going to block this for a while. Yeah. And this and this uh, ultimately just didn't work. And it was, the you know, in terms of people creating narratives and things like that, it was the wrong guy to have something not work with because it's a guy that everybody wants to see succeed and do well. And um, I, it derailed him. There's yeah. no getting around it. It, yeah. it derailed him. 
Let's wrap it up. Ricky Starks is the most recent one. Of course, 2023. Started with a surprise clean win by Starks in January. Uh, then Starks gets put through the ringer by the Jericho Appreciation Society. You know, tag team matches, the gauntlet, all the promos, of course. And then Starks beats Jericho again, clean as fresh laundry at Revolution 2022. 2023, excuse me. Um, again, uh, and, and Jericho does not have a singles win over Ricky Starks at this point. I'm going to, I'm going to hand it uh, right over to you. What do you think about, uh, Chris Jericho and Ricky Starks? There is quite literally nothing else. Chris Jericho could have done for this man short of allowing Ricky Starks to literally murder him on television <laughs> to put him over stronger than he did in this feud. What more could you possibly want? Starks wins both singles matches, okay? Overcomes tons of Jericho cheating and interference to do so both times. Gets hit in the head with the bat and still beats him the first time. Beats him the second time on the pay-per-view in front of a raucous crowd that was going insane for the match, which also puts to bed the idea that the booking of the feud didn't work either because it sure was over in the building when they did the blow off. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not only did Ricky Starks beat Chris Jericho both times he faced him in singles matches, he beat everybody in the fucking unit. He beat the entire Jericho appreciate any person he wrestled in the Jericho appreciation society. He beat the only one he didn't beat was Sammy Guevara. Cause he didn't wrestle him. He beat Hagar. He beat Garcia. He beat Menard. He beat whatever the other guy's name is. Parker. Yeah. He he beat them all. And he beat Jericho twice. I mean, anyone who argues against this one needs their head checked. I mean, there's just no fathomable argument against this one. Again, and this is another example, like Orange Cassidy, where Jericho handpicked somebody and said, I want to put that guy over and Mm -hmm. do everything I can to get that guy over. And that's not just... Me spilling beans. That's on record now. Tony Khan said that in one of the press, I guess the one after the last pay-per-view. I mean, that's on record now. That's not some, I'm not giving away some industry secret. Chris Jericho seeked this out and wanted to do this and wanted to feud with Ricky Starks. And oh, by the way, not only did he put Ricky Starks over as strong as you could put over somebody again, without having them murder you. Okay. He lost the action Andretti. Mm-hmm. And got and elevated that guy from television jobber and instantly got him over as a somebody. Yeah. And and the frustrating discourse around that one is that people will then say, oh, well, what's Action Andretti doing now? He's working on Dark. Totally he doesn't have any more momentum. Well, first of all, this idea, okay, that every time somebody wins a match, that now they got to be pushed to the moon and win the world title or we're not taking advantage of, of the vic- is utter nonsense. Well, you know why? You know why, though? You, you, because this is two decades of wrestling being done one way. Like, if you, don't, if, you, if you don't win a match and then you don't immediately win the world title, you're going back to catering, right? Yeah, that's right. We've squandered it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, it, it's, yeah. But it's like, Action Andretti was a, fuck, was a literal jobber yep. before he beat Chris Jericho. You know... That wasn't going to catapult. I mean, you could. I mean, I'm not saying you can't rocket pack somebody. You can. That's one way to do things. Does anybody think Action Andretti is ready for that kind of push? No. 
honestly. Of course not. No. Okay. But you can't sit here and tell me that beating Jericho didn't do anything for the guy. He's not a jobber anymore. <laughs> they picked the guy that they liked. They signed him and they found a creative way to get him over with the audience. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what that was. And the, and Chris Jericho does not have to do that. Chris Jericho could say to Tony Khan, that doesn't work for me, brother. I'm Chris Jericho. I'm not losing to a jobber on TV. Find somebody else. But Chris Jericho does it, which again, runs counter to this idea that he's eating people up and is always looking out for himself. What did he get out of losing to Action Andretti? Nothing. But he knows it's not going to hurt him because he's Chris Jericho. Exactly. And that's what a leader and a star who's a leader does. Mm -hmm. They help put people over. And then he just gets beat like a drum by Ricky Starks every time the odds are even close to even. You can't do anything more here. The only possible counter you could have to this is is now people may say, all right, well, on the other end, Ricky Starks is now feuding with Juice Robinson, (laughs) who's never won a match on TV. And isn't a guy who's pushed, but again, and we don't know how that feud's going to play out. Maybe Ricky Starks beats him on dynamite and they never speak of it again. I, I don't know how it's going to, even if that's a bad feud, right? How is that Chris Jericho's fault? Right. And what we're discussing here is Chris Jericho uh, uh, is, is people being worse off after working with Chris Jericho because of Chris Jericho. How would that be Chris Jericho's fault? He did his job. If Tony Khan now drops the ball on Ricky Starks. That's not on Chris Jericho. Exactly. What more could Chris Jericho have done? Mm-hmm. He lost the guy twice. He lost to him in the blow-off. Clean as a sheet. Put the guy over. Great match, by the way. Yep. Crowd went nuts for it. It's not Chris Jericho's problem or fault if Tony Khan books the guy poorly coming out of it. So it's nonsense. A lot of this is just nonsense. And people had, trying to make these things fit what they what what they want to be true. You know, in, in the months leading up to his uh, to his uh, program with with MJF, right? You know, with uh, you know when he was around the when he was feuding with Hobbs and all that. I had people in my Discord, which I love, and I love the people in my Discord, right? And they they were like, every week, where's Ricky Starks? Where's Ricky Starks? Where is he? Why isn't Ricky Starks on TV more? Well, he's you know, they had him on the announce table. Yeah, but I mean in the ring. You know, he's always on, you know, he's being promoted. He's being put on TV, promoted in the pure sense of the world, right? It's like word. It's like, a, you know, being put out there. Well, why isn't he wrestling? Why isn't he on TV? Where is he now? And then he ends up in a promo with Chris Jericho. I have these people going, oh, no, not a program with Chris Jericho. But he's on TV every week. Yeah. He's on television every, like the main complaint they had. It's like the guy gets no exposure. And then he ends up with Chris Jericho. Like you said, every week on television. And Joe, it's not even like uh, he ends up on television with Chris Jericho and they, you know, they do a little promo or thing. He's nailing it. He gets in the ring, he cuts a promo face to face with Chris Jericho. Not only is he hanging with him, he's outshining him in some circumstances. Yeah. He's phenomenal the whole way through. Now, like you said, whatever happens moving forward with Juice Robinson or the the Bullet Club, whatever they're going to do with this moving forward, that's out of Jericho's control. Because at this point, uh, you know, if the... 
if the if people were worried after the MJF match as to what was going to happen with with Ricky Starks when they entered the program with Chris Jericho, I immediately was like, "He's good. He's fine. He's safe. He's going to be safe for years at this point." Regarding AEW, at the very least, right? He's going to be treated as a top guy because he, clearly. Uh, Tony wants to take care of him. He wants to give him that slow build that MJF got over like the two first years of his uh, yeah. of his tenure yeah. in AEW. Wasn't like yeah. you know, wasn't tearing it down every week. Wasn't like, but slowly, surely, wrestling with top guys, making sure that he, people understand that his lane is above many others. That his ceiling is world championship material. He's going to get there. This is inevitable at this point. And the feud with Jericho only accentuated his strengths, Joe. His charisma, his promo, his his in-ring work, his capacity to tell stories both with a microphone and inside the ring. What's wrong? I don't get it. This one's really hard to argue. Really, really hard. I mean, this is one of the biggest slam dunks on the board. Yeah. And, um... There were still people, even after Starks won the pay-per-view match, trying to twist themselves into a pretzel and convince themselves that this was bad for Ricky Starks. And it's like, <laughs> I, I don't you know, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I mean, it's obviously almost the complete opposite with Chris Jericho. He's he's honestly one of the more selfless major stars in pro wrestling. I mean, when you really look at the evidence like we just did for the last hour and a half, um, the guy almost always uh, puts his best foot forward in trying to get the person over or elevate the person he's working with. And I think there's some clear cut cases of misses like with Eddie Kingston, Yep. but there's far more undeniable slam dunk examples of Chris Jericho helping to get people over, whether it's the obvious ones like Ricky Starks, or orange Cassidy, you know, the MJF feud, which was a major step at his elevation. I, I would classify the hangman page thing similar to MJF. And even the shorter term things that we talked about earlier, like like the Jungle Boy 10 minute challenge and, um, and things like that, where he's always seeking to help get people over and usually succeeds. And I don't think Jericho bats a thousand. Nobody does. But, you know, for the most part, he when he's a heel, he almost always loses the blow off. And when he's the baby face, he almost always wins it. But that's pro wrestling. Exactly. And in those cases, like with MJF, it all, and, and, you know, and like with Hangman Page, it was the right decision. And with MJF, it, it was the next step in MJF's elevation. And I think a lot of it, this Vortex stuff is the, uh, the Kingston thing, which annoys a lot of people. And let's be completely honest. It's the man's politics. It's his politics that oh, people that don't too. like. Yeah. And, and there are, and listen, that's fine. And, you know, it, listen, if you're a wrestling fan, you can dislike anybody for any reason. You're a fan. You do what you want. But we can't deny it plays a part. His politics, his wife's politics. Um, you know, he donated to Trump and all that. And a lot of people don't like that. And they let that bleed into their criticism, which if you're a fan, is fine. Fans, can, as I said, could do whatever you want. If you're an analyst, if you're getting paid to cover pro wrestling, if you're getting paid to analyze pro wrestling, I am of the belief you have to leave all that kind of stuff out of it. I, You know, when I approach my job, and this is my job. I, I don't, I, I can't be worried about who people are voting for. 
I can't worry, be worried about where people stand on certain political issues or, 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 or social issues or anything like that. I have to focus on what's happening on the screen. As an analyst, that's all that matters to me. But I do think that a lot of that comes into play when it comes to fans and even some pundits and analysts where they allow their personal feelings for Chris Jericho, the person, mm -hmm. bleed into their analysis of what he's doing on screen. I think that's unfair. I think you can criticize Chris Jericho until you're fucking out of breath on Chris Jericho, the person, or who Chris Jericho has on his podcast. Go ahead. But that has, and you can bury him all day long if you want. I don't have any problem with that. I would never tell anybody not to do that. But it has nothing to do with his on-screen performance in this company. To, to me, those are two different things that should be analyzed and criticized separately. So if you're looking at this fairly the way that we just have, I think it's very hard to argue that the Jericho Vortex is real. And I think that the Eddie Kingston feud and how people feel about Chris Jericho, the person, are really what has precipitated a lot of this. Mm -hmm. I'm, I think that uh, that is a perfect summation of, of the exercise we just did here. Uh, I, I don't have much to add on that one because I'm in complete, complete agreement. I... I, I think it's uh, yeah we 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 the perception of Chris the perception of what Chris Jericho does as a wrestling star in AEW is uh, muddled by personal feelings and so on and so forth. But when you take it, you know, you just look at the facts of what's happening in the promotion step by step. I'm you know I'm with you. I can't really see anything any tangible proof that chris jericho is a detriment to everyone he uh he feuds with like there's certainly no there's certainly no pattern of behavior where he's eating guys up and no. being manipulative and I, you just, it doesn't exist no it really doesn't and considering like you said that he's chris jericho that he has a an illustrious career uh he could be that doesn't work for me brothering all the time, but... And get away with it. And get away with it. And he uh, doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. Well, Joe, going to wrap it up on that. Thank you, honestly, sincerely, thank you very much for, for joining me today. This was this was a lot of fun. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and, uh, and uh, it uh, brought up the discussion that I hoped... It would, because I think it was a fun subject, and and I knew we had similar feelings on it. And I'm look, I'm just glad that we did it. Thank you so much for being on. Hey, it was my pleasure anytime. And for the rest of you, well, thank you very much for listening uh, to the uh, to the podcast today. Appreciate it a great deal. If you're watching this on uh, YouTube, YouTube.com/slash Mr. Warren Hayes, of course, consider leaving a like and subscribing. That stuff helps out a great deal. And uh, if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app, well, reviews, uh, reviews, ratings, all of that, of course, helps out a great deal. Otherwise, I will be back soon. Thank you, everyone. And we'll see you next time.